before we get to our next speaker, um, Ann Ashby asked me to give her phone number out if anyone would like to contact her and ask any questions. If she didn't get to ask today, she is more than willing to take those. And so you can reach her if you'd like to, and I'll repeat this number a couple of times. It's get a pen out there. So actually I'll do that in about 30 seconds, give you a chance to get a pen out. Hopefully everybody, I just heard from Natalie Couch in Louisville, our former Illinoisan. She has uh, indicated, she said, sounds like you're having a good convention. And we are, and Natalie, we miss you. Okay, that phone number for Ann Ashby, A-S-H-B-Y, is 618-532-1551. Again, that is 618-532-1551. Okay. One very important agency that we deal with as advocates in the Illinois Council of the Blind is the Illinois Bureau of Blind Services. This afternoon to give us an update on what is taking place is a gentleman that we know very well. Uh, he's gonna be coming to us via Zoom, I believe. He's the now former director of the Bureau of Blind Services because he has actually moved on uh, to a different position. He can talk about that. It gives me great pleasure to introduce to all of you, Mr. John Gordon. Okay, so we could take time if you guys have questions. So uh, thank you and thank you for uh, inviting me uh, here today. So as Ray was saying, I'm actually still the Bureau Chief of the Bureau of Blind Services or the Director, so I am in a interim uh, kind of capacity until the Blind Services Planning Council, I believe uh, they are in the process of finding a new person uh, to fill the job as Bureau Chief, and I have... Uh, went over to be the new program administrator for the business enterprise program for the blind. So yeah, I was the bureau chief for about six and a half years. And let me talk today a little bit about the Bureau of Blind Services. And uh, just like you folks, you know, we have uh, learned to do things much differently since the spring of 2020. So first, let me talk to you a little bit about the Illinois Center for Rehabilitation and Education, Wood Street. I know a lot of you know about Ikery Wood, and uh, for those of you who do not, it is a residential adult training facility for adults located in the medical center of uh, the Chicago area. And uh, the superintendent is uh, Mr. Derek Phillips who's been there for a long time. We are currently uh, conducting business. There was a short time where we were providing uh, services on a more remote manner, but we've been back in session for a while. And as things ease up, we will continue to add additional people. We have a large problem there, still ongoing problem with getting staff filling the positions. We've been short a technology teacher, I think a year, and I think it was uh, maybe close to two years ago that I put in for a emergency hire, anticipating his uh, retirement, and that still hasn't been filled. There's been a lot of going back and forth, central management services, 
believe that these positions should be vocational instructors with no necessary training in blindness. I do not agree with that at all. I think the Blind Services Act uh, that we have here in Illinois specifically speaks to the fact that people with blindness training should be the people who are training our individuals. So I have been pretty steadfast against fighting that and arguing it, and I will continue. I will not, I mean, while I'm bureau chief, I certainly would not agree that these are just positions for a vocational instructor. It's sad in Illinois, uh, a lot of uh, situations. I will tell you that uh, it's hard to put people on a path to employment when you don't have the staff to teach them orientation and mobility. So anyway, I'm not gonna whine a whole lot about it. It is what it is, the Blind Services Planning Council. They obviously have heard this through every report from us over the past several years. And, uh, you know, we uh, continue on. Three teachers there who are contractual, and uh, they have been in contractual positions for, oh, between three and seven years. So, you know, that's not a great deal either. We don't believe that CMS will continue to up these uh, contracts, but uh, that is where we're at. We still do in Illinois send some customers out of state for training, but uh, a lot of them are really happy at attending Ikebre Woods. So, you know, that's where we're at with that. Let me talk a little bit about our field staff. So our field staff, many of you have had open cases with our counselors throughout the state. Our our field service staff is broke up into five regions, one through five, one being the Chicago metropolitan area and uh, region five being down where you guys are physically meeting today. We have a lot of shortages. Well, region two, for instance, which uh, goes from Waukegan out to Rockford, goes through most of DuPage County, kind of hooks around in the Kankakee, so it kind of cradles the Chicago metropolitan area. It's a very large region. Uh, so in the six and a half years I've been here, there has never been an orientation and mobility instructor employed uh, by us in region two. And uh, I think I could safely say we have only had one BBS counselor. So we have offices in Rockford, Downers Grove, Aurora, and we're supposed to have staff in Waukegan, but currently out of that whole large region, we only have one counselor out of Aurora. So that's really been tough because we've had people out of the Springfield area. So down south, we've had those people kind of filling in, but it's not the same as having your own counselor you know, in your own region, geographic area of the state, but in my opinion, best help you with your uh, needs. We have, however, I will tell you that in the two years that we've been on this uh, remote schedule, when I say remote, you guys, I don't mean we shouldn't be returning your calls. 
I don't mean we're closed two days a week. You guys shouldn't accept that. My boss would not accept that. So all are remote. What? Yeah. Your boss I mean, is here. <laughs> oh, good. Here. Well, good. So we expect people to be providing the same service that they were before, just in a remote manner. It's been working out really well for us. I think the director probably told you that throughout all of VR, it's really worked well. People have been able to receive services. Again, we've had to change a lot of the ways that we provide these services, right? Because it is in a remote manner. You know, our counselors, along with our counselors and field staff, we have rehab instructors throughout the state. Uh, they have had some uh, difficulty. However, they have really been able to uh, provide training in new ways. Everybody's learned a lot. They've learned a lot about working together and uh, providing this service. I think they're most anxious about being able to get back into customers' homes and help them and teach them, you know, the skills they need to be employed. Ingrid Halverson is still the uh, assistant bureau chief for the Bureau of Line Services. So she continually works with our field staff. We're really hoping for some better things. And as I told you, you know, uh, we have a huge barrier in that central management services plays a huge role in our, you know, hiring process. So that makes it somewhat difficult. Let me also talk about, you guys might know about our older blind grants. That might apply to some of you. So we get older blind grant money every year. And um, we have 13 grantees across the state who provide these services. And uh, you do not need to be seeking a vocational goal. All you need to be is 55 or older. And if you need some help in living more independently, you know, you could reach out and uh, request information on those. Some of you probably know, are very familiar with the ones in the Chicago area. And then we have them scattered throughout the entire state. It would be really nice. I just saw where there was a request. You know, many people have been requesting for a long time to increase the amount of money that we receive for the older blind, because we really think that it's really, really needed. So again, if you ever want information on that, all you have to do is inquire about our older blind grants. Anyway, uh, next, let me talk about the business enterprise program. That is uh, our self-employment program, our Randolph Shepherd program in Illinois. And currently we have about 61 or 62 blind vendors. COVID has really placed a heavy, heavy toll on the blind vendors because as most of you know, their income is really dependent on building populations and because that has changed so much, it's just really put a 
damper on how much money people are able to earn. Uh, we've received reports that a large percentage of federal workers will never go back to the office again. We'll never see an office again. And uh, that's, again, just the world we live in now. And uh, people, uh, private sector, we see them doing a lot of the same. So it's kind of a new challenge for me. And it certainly is a challenge. There is no one day alike. But we have received a, uh, a lot of new staff. So we are excited about that. Uh, just the staff that we will have uh, you know, working and helping to provide service, but they need a lot of training, a lot, a lot of training. So, uh, you know, we have, the director has uh, allowed us to bring somebody uh, who was a staff person in the past, who has been able to come in on a contractual basis and help us with this. And uh, we're looking forward to good things. But, uh, you know, again, I would just like to say to everybody here in the audience that if you are, whether you're looking for a self-employment opportunity through the Business Enterprise Program for the Blind, or you're just looking for a job, seeking a career, I believe this is, there's no better time. There are a lot of jobs out there for people who want to work. You know, we have staff throughout the state who could help make this a reality. Not to mention the fact that you're here today, you understand that you have uh, other support mechanisms, which are really, really important. And they were important for all of us when we were newly blind. And uh, it wasn't, although it's been a long time, it doesn't seem like that long ago that I first met uh, BBS counselor at the Downers Grove office named Don Davia. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember him telling me about the fact that he was in a barbershop quartet. And as a uh, 18, 19 year old kid, that just didn't sound like a place I was <laughs> interested in going. Now I'm probably the age he was then. So uh, Again, we'll see what this all has to uh, unfold down the line. But, uh, you know, again, if you guys are looking for any kind of service, especially vocational in nature, and, uh, you know, also I will tell you, Randolph Shepard, the Business Enterprise Program for the Blind, we have a lot of opportunities too, but it's really for people who really just have that ingrained in them, the fact that they want to be a small business operator, you know, there's definitely opportunities. And uh, I will tell you that on May 11th at the National Council of State Agencies for the Blind, I will be hosting a Randolph Shepherd afternoon. And I'm really excited because we're going to have uh, several presenters, but we're going to talk to several people who are new to Randolph Shepard. And uh, then we're also going to talk to a young lady named Melba Taylor, who has really put a lot of energy into uh, recruiting blind women into Randolph Shepard, because uh, that's a place where Randolph Shepard has 
fallen short for many years. So there is a white paper out that has been written up on uh, women entering the business enterprise program. So again, that's what I have today, you guys, and uh, I am open for questions. All right, before we take questions, I do want to acknowledge just a couple things. Thank you, John. By the way, it was a long time ago. I met a nice young man by the name of John Gordon. <laughs> I don't remember where I first met him at. It probably was over a cold one someplace. I don't know. But um, anyway, uh, just two things I want to acknowledge before we go to questions. And one is that the director of rehabilitation services, John's boss, uh, Ronnie Patrick, is in the room with us. And she would like to hear from you, any of us, our ideas about kind of the future of rehabilitation, where we think things need to go where we like to see things go in terms of rehab. Her and I had a conversation, quite a conversation at break. So certainly like to encourage you to talk with her. She'll be here. You'll, you'll be here all weekend, right? Okay. So she'll be here the rest of today. So please seek her out. And if you have any thoughts you'd like to share, definitely interested in that. The second thing I want to mention is that the ICB has two representatives on the Blind Services Planning Council. One of them is from right in this area, Jackie Darnell. Yes. Hey, Jackie. Yeah, there's Jackie. Absolutely. And then the other one is, um, I forget who's doing it right now. <laughs> I should know that. It's Sharon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gee, Sharon. How, how, could, how could I forget that? Yeah, she can, uh, she, she can slap me later for that one. She's the chair. Sharon's the chair. Yes, yes. It's, and these terms do, these do term out occasionally. So if you're interested in you know, representing ICB on the Blind Services Planning Council. Let's see what the elections bring. You can let whoever the new president is know, myself or Brian, or it's going to be one of us too, so you can let us know. And um, you know, we'll be happy to try and get you hooked up. What we would like, ICB kind of would like to have, is one person from the northern part of the state and somebody from the more southern part of the state. These terms, they do term out occasionally. So and there are several other agencies that have uh, people on the council as representatives. We have uh, NFBI has got two, and then different organizations have them. Okay, let's go to, do we have any questions for yes, John? I Diana Hill, I think. Diana's been chomping at the bit over there. Go ahead, Diana. Okay, I have two questions, if I could, please. How many regions is there in Illinois, and how are they split up to represent the whole state? And could you talk a little bit more about what the Shepherd program is, please? We have five regions in the state of Illinois, and they kind of go east to west. However, Chicago Metropolitan is kind of, uh, that's region one, that's kind of on an island. And then region two, as I described before, it goes all the way up northwest towards Rockford. And then it goes over to the south and then comes back. It touches everything other than that Chicago and immediate metropolitan area. Region three basically stretches on the east from around Danville and then goes all the way out to the Rock Island Moline area. Region four on the west side is Quincy and it goes straight east. It goes through Jacksonville, Springfield, Decatur, so that area. And then right, Region 5 is our whole southern and southeastern part of the state, everywhere from Murfreesboro, Ren Lake, 
Alton, Belleville. So yeah, that whole part of the state. In the Randolph-Shepherd program, just to give you a little more, is a self-employment program for blind men and women. And we put people through a training program. And after they successfully have completed training, they are able to bid on businesses. That's not with money, just with a letter of intent. And um, it is truly for those people who are motivated and, and really have an interest in running a small business because that is what it is. You really control your own destiny. So it's really just a, a great opportunity and just to give you a little more, uh, the Randolph Shepard Act was enacted in 1936. And it was enacted by two legislators named Jennings Randolph and Morris Shepard, who really wanted to set aside a portion of business, which was on federal properties in the United States and wanted to give blind people first right of refusal or absolute priority to operate the concessions on those properties. So what once started as a small newspaper cigar stand in a hallway in a federal building has now evolved to blind people running some of the largest troop dining contracts on military bases throughout the United States. It's really evolved and came a long way. I hope I answered your question. Any other questions for John, either from the floor here or on Zoom? Okay, I heard uh, somebody in the back of the reports. Dr. Bailey, go right ahead. John, I know Ann Newman sitting right next to me on the right, you know, where I Cree Wood graduates. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we were just thrilled when you know, you came on and to talk to us about Ikree Wood because I was just asking Anne, what's going on with Ikree Wood? Because we, you know, we hadn't heard anything. I came out in 2019, just before all this stuff happened. And I've been trying to establish my business uh, using the help that I got through Ikree Wood, you know, the people there and my goal and uh, working with the Department of Rehabilitation and to try to get off the ground, and I have not been able to do so. And I'm finding that one of my issues is I can't do it all myself. I need somebody to help me plan. And I'm finding that lacking in our program. We can uh, help people with resources, but to sit down and work with somebody who knows how to plan to launch a business and get it going and keep it going and bring in the right resources at the right time to move the business forward. That has been difficult for me because there are not a lot of organizations that take blind people seriously when they're trying to do something like this. So I just wondered if there was a group that maybe I had missed at Ikree Wood or in the Department of Rehabilitation that could assist people like me and work with me on a dedicated basis to help plan and launch to get my business moving forward. So yeah, if I could touch on that. So 
What you're saying is kind of a passion of mine. I know it's been a passion of Director Patrick's too, because she is definitely is invested in it because I think we all understand, look, it's one thing to get people with disa- who are disabled jobs, right? I mean, we don't take that for granted, but that's what the majority of our counselors do. So when you're talking about establishing your own business, which is really exciting, but I will tell you that because counselors don't work on it a lot, it's something that's a little bit, it's not totally foreign to them. They can look at the rules, but they are not always familiar with the resources. So here's what I would tell you. Number one, you should reach out to me and I want to make sure with Ingrid, with whoever your counselor is, that things are being done right. And if you need additional counsel, whether it is through the Senior Coalition of Retired Executives, or maybe in some cases we could put you together with another disabled person who have had similar experiences on their way to achieving their self-employment goal. Does that make sense? Yes, she says yes. Yes, so I just don't want it to fall through the cracks. I think you know how to reach me. If you don't, you know, my phone number is 217-494-9389. Maggie, Rachel Schroeder, most of the folks here in ICB's leadership know how to reach me. But uh, like I say, we work on this within BBS and I work on it sometimes on a very intimate level where I'm actually in the meeting with the counselor and the assistant bureau chief because we wanna make sure that we're doing everything that we can. What we don't want you to do is become discouraged and give up on chasing your dream. So again, I hope that helps you. Absolutely. John, I have a question and that is, um, you mentioned that one thing that's being worked on is getting more women into the Randolph Shepherd program. I'm curious, where is the Randolph Shepherd program in terms of people of color uh, participating? And is that an area that um, people feel needs to be worked on? So I will tell you that it is a place that we really need to work on it. And I think there again, I think we recognize, certainly I've been in enough meetings with the director who understands that there are definitely underserved areas in Illinois, you know, geographic, uh, geographically non-represented, racially unrepresented. So I do think that we fall short in that area, but it is something that we are trying to address. And I think really the best way that we address some of these things, right, is I can only say so much because of course, you know, people are like, ah, he's a bureaucrat, right? But I mean, really what we need to do, the people we need to march out are the successful women, are the successful African-Americans are the successful Asian Americans, are the 
successful people from the Hispanic community. All of these communities, that speaks louder than anything, right? Amen. So that is something that we will concentrate on for sure. And certainly those of us that are in advocacy positions within ICB and other organizations like NFBI and that, we need to also, if we feel, if we uh, see an issue, it's something that we need to bring attention to. Any other questions for John? I did have a question. Is um, is it feasible or possible, do you think, for a person to open a case if they're a senior citizen and retired and if they're possibly thinking about any type of part-time employment? And if so, how would they find out who their counselor is? I would say absolutely. I just had somebody who is in their 70s recently reach out to me and they said, John, I just retired from my career with the federal government and I was working for a long time and I just want to feel like I am certainly still valued and uh, I want something to do. More so, they really felt that, and I really felt that there were plenty of skill sets they had. I put that person in touch with a uh, counselor. So I would say if you're wondering who your counselor is, really the best place for you to call would be our main BBS number in Springfield. It's actually on Commercial Avenue. It's the same office that our business enterprise program is at. And that number is 217 558-2321. You could also call Ingrid Halverson. She's the assistant bureau chief. I think this meeting is being recorded, so I'm going to tell you her cell phone number is 217-299-8008. And of course, I'm pretty accessible myself. So yeah, I think it, I think as long as you feel like you still want to work, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that we could do for people when they are pursuing a vocational outcome. So keep that in mind. Okay. I think Byron's next, um, but before I go to Byron, uh, after I go after Byron, let's see if we've got somebody on Zoom. Uh, so Byron, go ahead. So you kind of led into uh, the, one of the questions I was going to ask. So I'll start with that question first. My previous job that I just recently left was with State Services for the Blind and their Senior Services Unit, and I wanted to know more about the Older Blind Program, especially if you don't if you don't plan to go back to work? Are there any programs in place, uh, technology training, mobility, independent living, you know, that sort of thing. And then the other thing I wanted to point out was we have vocational rehab counselors and we have AT trainers and mobility instructors and all that. And, and while, we're, we're, while we're looking for work, keep in mind that you can always apply for jobs at your agencies, your rehab agencies and your training facilities and things like that. Just because you have a counselor that's got a case open with you doesn't mean that you can't apply for jobs to serve other blind people. And that was going to be my other question is what are the employment opportunities at your organization and where would people go to apply for jobs? Byron, do I know you? <laughs> you do know me. I used to, I used to live in Illinois. Yeah, I don't know why you sound so familiar. So uh, I think you had 11 questions, but uh, so our older blindness, I explained earlier, we do not do any of it currently internally. 
So we, for lack of a better word, we contract all of those services out to our private grantees, probably many who are in this, uh, at this convention today. I know you asked about technology and some other things. Uh, you know, look, you're, you're part of a consumer organization. That's why you're here today. So to me, there's always plenty of room for people who want to volunteer and uh, assist. So let's just talk about jobs for a minute. So we really are not, I would never say we are a job specific program. Like I wouldn't tell you that because you're blind, you're automatically going to qualify for a call center job with the Chicago Lighthouse. I think those jobs are good for people. A lot of people really love those jobs and that's wonderful. But we really want you as a blind individual to sit down with your counselor and strategize and plan out what your chart is for success. You know, because your chart and another person's chart is totally different. So, uh, you know, again, I think we all had some stereotypes at one point in our life as a blind person. Uh, probably some of us at one time thought there were only certain jobs for blind people, right? Now I'm gonna be a piano tuner. And although those might be fine jobs, I don't think we want to box ourselves and we don't want to box customers into any arena like that. We want to help you in any way we can achieve your goal for employment. And like I say, sometimes the fact that you are part of a consumer organization is really one of the first steps because really it's the people in your peer groups that will give you some of the best information on their own personal experiences. Okay, if I can take one more question. I'd like, before I take one in the room, I would like to see if we have anybody on Zoom. Yes, we do have one. Tim Paul, you can unmute. Yeah, so I was wondering, um, you know, about the Randall Shepherd program. Is it funded by the federal government? And do that's really sad that a lot of office space is empty now and it doesn't look like people are coming back. But do they, are there jobs, you know, businesses that are started maybe on on uh, military bases like Great Lakes or maybe at uh, rest areas on the, you know, on, on the highways, you know, in the yep. state. So, yeah, it is sad, but it kind of forces us to look at new avenues, even though a lot of our office buildings are not what they used to be. Our rest areas in Illinois are doing really well, and they might even be doing better if electric charging stations become a reality in Illinois. We'll see what happens with the uh, funding DOT is getting in Illinois from the infrastructure bill because uh, we've already got the Federal Highway Administration who has already said that they believe electric charging stations should be looked at no different than vending is and giving blind people the priority across the nation. And how about, how about military bases, like Great Lakes? Do, do you have any contracts there or any people that might end up working in one we, of those? We, we do not. What happened was we pursued Great Lakes for a long time, many years ago. And Howard Peters was our secretary at the time, and he would not pursue federal arbitration against them. Mm. 
by the time Secretary Linda Renee Baker took the position, she finally agreed that she would file federal arbitration on behalf of the blind vendors, which we're really grateful. But by then, too much time had lapsed. And uh, now there is a national no poaching policy. So whatever ability one has, they will continue to operate, whatever Randolph Shepard. So we're kind of out of luck when it comes to uh, the troop dining contract at Great Lakes. Got it. Okay, John, thank you. Thank you very much. You heard John's contact information. If you have questions that you'd like to ask him, uh, you can contact him 217-494-9389. And um, we're just so glad we can have you with us today through the miracle of Zoom. Thanks for talking to us. And, um, you know, certainly uh, avail yourself of any questions. Okay. Thank Moving you. right along, we're going to move on to our next uh, program, and that is one that everyone looks forward to at every ICB convention, that is what is going on with the library. So to introduce our presenters, if we can get a microphone to Debbie Watson, I'll let her introduce the people that will be talking with us. Debbie? Hello, everyone. I hope that our presenters are here on Zoom. We have the interim head of the State Library today, Joe Natale, and with him, will be our Chicago library, librarian, Patrice Johnson, and a librarian from Granite City, Illinois. Her name is Tina Hubert, and I want to welcome them. Let's give them a warm welcome. I hope they are here. Okay. I'm here. Joe, why don't you start, and then, you know, uh, then you can go ahead, and the other two presenters, go ahead. I'm, I'm Jonah Talling. I'm I'm the deputy director at the State Library. I'm a long timer here. Um, I don't know if you all remember, but I, when I came on board, Robert Ensley was uh, in charge of the talking book service and then Neil Kelly and then um, Sharon Ruda. I've been overseeing this department since Sharon left in uh, January of last year, I guess. But I guess the good news for some is uh, we are moving ahead with hiring a new director, and we hope that announcement is uh, imminent. But, you know, after 30, 40 years or so, hanging around these people, I've kind of learned a lot by osmosis about the program and how important it is. I want to focus on a couple of things to bring us where we're at now. As you know, we're the regional library. Back in March of 2020, uh, when the pandemic, when we had to close, we had to make a decision about keeping the talking book program open and Sharon's recommendation and we agreed that um, you know most of I think maybe all but Kentucky had closed and you know we didn't know the situation and you know erring on you know being cautious we closed the service but uh, that kind of blew up in our face the the phones rang constantly users were contacting people with influence and uh, we, we did we, we had to address this situation pretty quickly. We, we did bring the staff in for a time to get the books. I, I ran the mail room, there was just two of us here and we, we accumulated about 27,000 of those cartridges that had to be put away. We also then decided we, uh, we issued computers and phones to the RA so they could, the readers advisors so they can work at home, work at home. Now, not only the library had trouble, during this 
that pandemic, but also other services for the secretary. So the executive office said, we don't want this to happen again. And they asked all the agencies to come up with a plan that if we ever had to close again like this, what are the essential services? So what came out of that is the talking book and braille service is an essential service. So if we close again for, let's say, a pandemic, we'll remain, the circulation staff will come in and work. They'll just have to be socially distant. The reader's advisors could work in their office or we can again issue them equipment and they can work at home, but we'll keep the service going. Now, if there's 12 foot of snow, nobody comes in. For a long-term closure, this operation will stay open. Our other essential service will be the grants, grant administration, and that impacts TBBS because you know, we, do, we do fund that program some with federal money. The radio information service is funded with um, state grants. So we have to keep all that going. And just another little sidelight of this, there was a study by the Institute for Museum and Library Services that's our funder. And they discovered with the virus that um, it stays on those hard covers of those, those cartridges for up to five days. So for a while there, we, we were putting those in quarantine before the staff handled them. And uh, there was another time when there was a variant, there was an uptick. We, we again held things for about a week until that simmered down. So we're being careful for our staff, but we're also being careful for our users and not sending out viruses. Another issue that, that's, that's popped up, and you've probably all heard, the Library of Congress, their talking book topics publication is no longer in print. This might go a year or two or, or even longer. And that's papers, that's because of the paper shortage. And that's beginning to hit here in the state of Illinois. The Secretary of State could not get rules of the road published this year because of the supply and demand and the high cost of paper. This could impact the talking book quarterly newsletter. We print 10,000 of them and they're printed quarterly. We don't know if we're going to get hit by that or not, but just so you're aware. But Mind's Eye, the Radio Information Service in the Metro East area has offered to record that for us and broadcast it. There is a good supply of Braille paper, so we should be able to continue to print on that. Although um, I'm trying to make the newsletter a little more concise so we can stretch that paper supply out. But I think it's important. Well, one, I think we need to continue doing mailing to the people in book clubs so they know what books are coming up. And I would recommend to the staff here that they do do an annual mailing. Every time we send out a mailing, a lot come back and we have to remove subscribers from, the, from our list. So that's really the only way we have to keep our um, user list up, up to date. And then I mentioned Mind's Eye in the Springfield area. The University of Illinois in Springfield used to broadcast that, but for budget reason, they stopped and Mind's Eye stepped in and um, they're filling the void in their broadcasting in Springfield. The, the bad news about that is tomorrow, they were gonna have a beatball game here in Springfield between the Chicago team and the uh, Metro East team, but the weather's gonna be lousy. So they postponed that for a while. But, but that's what's going on here in Springfield. All right, thank you, Joe. Thank you very much. Very good. Now, Patrice. 
Patrice. Yes, thank you everyone. Um, we're glad to be here today to update you. Um, it's been a while since I think I've done one of these presentations. Um, so I'll give a little background uh, as to our update. So the Chicago Public Library had a talking book program for decades, and they worked in partnership with the Illinois State Library. At one point, actually, the Chicago Public Library actually managed the entire program for the state. Um, and for those that have been um, with the program for a while, I'm sure you remember that. And then the regional relocated to uh, Springfield, and then the State Library took over um, managing it as well. In 2016, during the budget impasse, um, some decisions were made at the state level to um, consolidate, to save on tax dollars and other things. And so in 2016, the Chicago Public Library Talking Book Center closed. We had a lot of patrons advocating for us to stay open and everything. And so the best that we could do at that time with the Chicago Public Library was to keep our assistive technology center open. And so from 2016, through 2021, um, we had um, what was first called the Assistive Technology Center, and then it morphed into the Assistive Resources Center. And so we've always been very conscious of providing services for people with disabilities the best that we can with CPL resources. But then um, last year in 2021, with some changes of leadership at both levels, um, it seemed like a good time to revisit bringing back the service to Chicago Public Library. And by the service, I mean the talking book service. And so in October of, of last year, the service here at Chicago Public Library relaunched and the partnership with the National Library Service, you know, was renewed. And the new name for our unit now is the Assistive Resources and Talking Book Center. So um, we're super excited because it helps us to provide a, a more well-rounded library service for people with disabilities. But with that now, we serve a much wider audience than we did prior to closing in 2016. Well, we provide an array of services, resources, materials, and technology that eliminate barriers for individuals with disabilities. And that also includes um, limited English proficiency patrons, which basically is people where um, English is not their first language. We also service, provide services for senior adults, as well as individuals that communicate in American Sign Language. We're happy to have our expanded services, but it does mean that we are super busy around here. Some of our key services and resources include assistive technology, software, hardware, equipment, and devices, talking book and braille service, of course, um, reader advisory reference and referral assistance, American Sign Language assistance, and then one-on-one -on -one assistance with specific tasks. And we also have specialized library collection materials. Um, in addition to the talking books, we also manage a large print collection and some descriptive videos. And then we also conduct events, programming, outreach activities, and um, things in the community as well. I won't really dive too much in the talking book and braille services that we provide because basically it's the same thing that the state library provides, except that we are for people that live in the Chicago and Chicagoland area, kind of boots on the ground. And so if someone needs to exchange a machine and wants to do it in person, they can come to our site. If someone's having trouble with BARD and needs in-person assistance with that, we're available for that. We also, in an emergency, can uh, create uh, digital talking books 
if for some reason somebody needs a book right away and they don't have access to BARD, anything that, you know, would require like an in-person physical uh, person, we can, um, in terms of talking book and braille service, we can do that at our unit. And as far as our assistive technology, we have eight private and semi-private workstations, and they're primarily for people that are blind, have visual disabilities, as well as physical disabilities. And some of our software that we have available includes Dragon, Duxbury, Jaws, Cursefile, Zoom Text. We also have Sarah Scan and Read. We have new embossers. We used to have Juliet Proem embossers, but we just upgraded them to the Everest D embossers. And we also have refreshable braille displays. We have cameras for people that need to attend Zoom meetings. And some of the things people get accomplished in our technology center includes like a myriad of things. But some snapshots are uh, they come and uh, work on their taxes. They braille their business documents. They um, attend meetings. They translate printed text into digital braille. They braille emboss documents. They complete digital forms with assistance. They conduct business, virtual interviews. They create resumes, cover letters, and they also develop their digital um, skills. They do a lot of other things, but that's just a snapshot. We also have staff on site that have been trained to provide one-on-one assistance to patrons that come to use our technology as well. I also wanted to highlight just a few the um, announcements from the National Library Service. Um, Again, we're just super grateful to be part of the network again Um, We have been keeping track of changes and still registering patrons even when we were closed and still providing support um, because a lot of our tech center patrons are also patrons of the Talking Book and Braille program. But again, we're pleased to be back in the network. And I'm sure as most of you know that there is a new director at the National Library Service for the Print Disabled, and his name is Jason Rotten. He has a lot of um, new energy for the service and ideas. And one of them, lest I forget to mention it later, is just that as a service nationwide, we are looking to increase our numbers. And one of the best ways to do that is through patron advocates. And so a good percentage of our new patrons come through word of mouth from other current users. So, uh, and that includes you and the audience. So please continue to um, promote Talking Brook and Braille services because it's a win-win for all of us because, um, you know, we rely on those the support and funding of legislators and whatnot. And so our numbers need to be consistent. And to be quite frank with you, um, my understanding is that nationally the service has dropped probably about 20%. It's a pretty big number. And I don't quote me on that. I know this is being reported um, and I don't remember the exact percentage, but it was pretty significant. So um, that is why we here and I think throughout the state are going to be concentrating on keeping up the numbers because we know the number of people that qualify to use the service has not decreased. It's just a matter of getting the word out there. So with that, one of the things that NLS is doing is making it easier for disabled veterans um, to sign up for this service. And now um, I believe employees, certain designated employees at the VA are able to um, certify applications and get qualifying veterans into the system to get our service um, a lot quicker than in the past. So that's a, a really good thing. And then also, 
I'm sure many are aware that there are several pilots going on. I think one of the most noted one is the Braille e-reader. And I don't have any major updates about that, but I do know that uh, the pilot phase is, is still going on. And I believe about eight network libraries are participating in that. And I know locally, some of our um, patrons here in the state of Illinois that were getting Braille service through Utah also have pilot or also have some of the devices in our pilot testing them. Initially, it looked like the rollout was going to happen in 2022, but because of the supply chain issues, that might be pushed back into 2023. And so there is also another pilot going on for um, like a voice interface device. And they didn't give it in a name, but they were just referred to it as the new digital book reader. And um, again, this is just pilot testing. And some of this is just so that they gather information and know like what the next generation NLS player is going to look like. And some of this is testing for a different type of NLS player for people with different types of disabilities. And so this one was primarily voice activated and you could search for books and download books with voice commands. And that pilot, to my understanding, which started in 2021, um, did wrap up, but it's definitely going to go into the future planning for some of the newer um, NLS players that hopefully will be here in the very near future. Just making sure I don't want to bore you with too much stuff. And I know that the delay or the issue with the talking book topics was already discussed, but every now and then there also is a delay with the Braille catalogs as well. And and that is a result of the paper supply chain. Um, We encourage our patrons to reach out to us and, you know, give us a call if you're concerned that you either missed something maybe because of, as we know, there's also postal issues going on. We can let you know whether it's that it might have been a postal issue or if it's actually, in fact, a delay in production from the National Library Service. And with that, I think I'm going to wrap it up with that because I know a lot of the other stuff that I wanted to cover will probably come up during the Q&A and I want to leave time for that. One other thing I just wanted to say in case people didn't know, NLS also eased the restriction on certification for people with reading disabilities. And so it's easier now for them to register for the program. And um, that's a good thing because they definitely do qualify to use the program, but it had been a barrier for them um, in the past. But now teachers that actually provide the resources to students and sign them up can now certify the applications instead of students with reading disabilities having to go to a medical doctor to get their applications um, certified. So that's um, another win-win. And with that, I'm going to turn it over um, to Tina, and I look forward to talking to you more during the Q&A time. Tina? Thank you, Patrice. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Tina Hubert. I'm the director of the Six Mile Regional Library District in Granite City, Illinois. We are basically six miles east of St. Louis and about 30 miles south of anybody who's in Alton today. I'm going to talk about what services you might be able to get at your local library if you are outside of Chicago or Chicagoland. Certainly, these services are available in Chicago and Chicagoland. They are services that you may be able to get through your local public library um, outside of that area. One of the first things I want to talk about is our library and many libraries across the state provide home delivery. So if there 
our um, customers in our area that have difficulty getting to the library, we actually will sign them up for home delivery and bring materials to them. We have quite a few customers that use that program and are very pleased with it. And we visit, I think about every two to two and a half weeks, we visit all of our customers. And um, while we're there, we're able to stop and have a little visit with people too. So it's really a nice service. We also can help with the machines through the TBS program. Um, We do have people who have turned in their machines to the library If um, they're moving or if they need a new machine and they want to get rid of the old machine, they have brought them to us and we have returned them on their behalf. My mother is blind, so I'm used to um, helping her with her machine and helping her with the BARD setup. We also at the library, this will not happen at all libraries, but many libraries will be able to help you with any um, questions that you might have about the BARD setup and help in showing people how to download things from BARD. If you're downloading it onto one of the cartridges, we used to be able to download things from BARD onto USB drives pretty easily, but that doesn't seem to work real well um, or as easily as in the past. And so I think it's a lot easier to use the cartridges. And um, I have purchased those in order to be able to download things for my mother. And I know that Um, you can overwrite on those as well. We also provide uh, referral to other services. If we can't provide the service, then we find who can and we'll help people to connect to other services. We have a social worker on intern on staff who can work one-on-one with people depending on what social services they might need um, assistance with. And One thing that all the libraries will do is if we don't have it, we can get it for you. And um, across the state of Illinois, we have a wonderful relationship with the libraries across the state where we do interlibrary loan and we loan things to each other all the time. Uh, The state library actually, through the systems, provides delivery between libraries, and we are very thankful for that. I also wanted to mention that we provide some online services, and each library is going to be a little bit different. It depends on what your library actually subscribes to, and the access to those subscriptions is limited because of the licensing. However, if your library is subscribing to some of these services, well, they're free to you, and you can use your library card and and download e-books, e-audiobooks, e-magazines, We have Overdrive, which is through the Libby app. We also have Hoopla. And one of the things that's new about Hoopla is that um, you can actually play audiobooks and music albums through your Alexa-enabled device. If you um, have a, um, if you are signed up to, to Hoopla through your library. And we also have access to what's called Cloud Library, which has eBooks and e-audiobooks that people can listen to on whatever device they might have. My um, mother listens to the Bard books through her iPhone. I listen to the Cloud Library books through my Android phone. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes it's a little bit difficult for me to help my mom with her iPhone because I'm not as familiar with iPhones, but between me and my sister, we can help her out. Anyway, we've had people in our community who have 
decided to stop their paid subscriptions to Audible so that they could use the free subscriptions that we have through both our all three cloud library, Hoopla and Overdrive. And they don't really overlap a lot. There's a lot of distinct items on each of those. Sometimes if I'm reading a series book, I might find number one in the series on one of those and then number two on the other um, service. I wanted to mention also that um, our library does subscribe to Tumble Books Library, which are for kids, and they have storybooks, read-alongs, language learning, and music, sound, and narration. So you can read the text, listen to the stories read to you. And during the pandemic, now they've turned this off, but if we were to close down again, I'm sure they would turn it back on. Tumble Books was actually able to be used freely from home um, when we were in the throes of the pandemic. Uh, We have other uh, things that are available to library users. Um, Biblioboard is one. It's free. There's something called Unite for Literacy, which is also free, and your library could help you connect to it. And then there's something called Open Culture e-audiobooks and Open Culture e-books, which they have hundreds of free audiobooks, mostly classics, that you can listen, it says MP3 player or computer, but I'm sure you can download it to your phone as well. So I already talked about we'll help people return machines. Um, Oh, one of the things that I did want to talk about, Patrice actually mentioned assistance with um, taxes. And I just wanted to mention that our library and many libraries across the state do participate in the VITA program, which is through the IRS. It's the Volunteer Income Tax Assistance Program. we actually prepare taxes for low to moderate income people. And so they come in during tax season, and I'm so thankful it's over now, but they come in during tax season and um, we actually will prepare taxes for them and enter it into the IRS software. We're certified to do that. At your public libraries, many of them, not all of them, but many of them, you can sign up for passports We also at our library and many more across the state are starting to do this. You can, if you need a um, license sticker renewal, you can purchase that at the library without having to go to the DMV. And at our library, and I think there's only a handful of libraries across the state, but if you were to ask at your library, perhaps they would consider adding this service. We actually have the Illinois Department of Natural Resources Fishing and Hunting Licenses that we sell or for some customers, it's free. And so we provide those licenses as well. So you never know what you might find in your own personal or community public library. And we really appreciate it when people come and tell us what they're looking for and how we can help. Certainly we help people sign up for the TBBS program and we too can sign if we are familiar with the customer and know what the disability is, then we can sign or we can help fill in the application where people can take them to their medical professional. I think that that's what I was supposed to talk about. And if I can answer any questions also, I'm happy to. I talk really fast, don't I? (laughs) And it's strange talking to not seeing anybody while I'm talking to you, but here we are. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, all three of you. We've got about 
14 minutes for some questions. So while we're getting those lined up, and again, our Zoom participants, we invite you to ask questions as well. Just raise your hand and Lucy will call on you. I want to mention before, as we're lining up questions, don't sell the reference librarians at your local public library short. They can help you with a lot of information. We, as many of you know, we recently moved to Springfield. And one of the things we wanted to do was figure out what counties were to the south and southwest because we wanted to get our weather radio program so that if we get a weather alerts that you know we would get those and they were able to help out with that so uh, it was a it was a real good um, Karen was talking to me and she said I said why don't you call the library maybe they can tell us where that what those are so we got that taken care of so lots of ways that uh, our libraries could help. Do we have any questions? Yes, I have the mic and I'm I'm just going to start here. I thought you might have a question. <laughs> Debbie, you usually do. Go right ahead. Little, I'm little Miss Hogger today. First of all, I want to thank all three of our wonderful librarians. Let's give them a real round of applause. They were great, all of them. My question is, with the pandemic coming up, has the use of BARD, whether, of course, I, I get my BARD on the Victor Stream. I have done it somewhat on thumb drives, but I also do my BARD on the Victor Stream. But has the use of BARD gone up within these past couple years? That's an interesting question because you might be surprised. Obviously, it has gone up a little. It's not, it's not the dramatic leap that I think people might envision that it might have been. And I think partly because no one was expecting the pandemic. And so for the, I'm thinking more nation, nationwide, forgive me, but I think depending on how shutdowns occurred, people weren't there to really navigate people through BARD. And then also a lot of people didn't have a device, even with, you know, it being available through computer and through smartphones. Overwhelmingly, the majority of NLS users are people that get the machines. Um, I see now that there's more of a trend I'm noticing with newer applications that the people registering them, so like Chicago Lighthouse or other organizations, are checking off BARD and saying, okay, BARD only. But sometimes when we do the follow-up call, I'm hearing, I don't know how to use my smartphone. I don't even have a smartphone. Can you please send me a player? So um, there's still a learning curve. And I know, I think a lot of times, and I will shut up and let somebody else speak, but I think a lot of times when I find myself in these scenarios where I'm dealing with people that are very involved with their association, like you folks are, that they're usually very tech savvy and it can be really easy to, I don't want to say anything like offensive, like assume, but I can't think of another word, but just to assume that everybody's on the same uh, level of comfortability with technology but as a public librarian, just on the general public side of things, people didn't have children that were working from home or going to school from home didn't even have internet access, a great percentage of them in Chicago. So I think, you know, sometimes when we're in the bubble of, oh, I've got a computer at home and a laptop and a smartphone and all of that, we think everybody else is on that same level. So in short, yes, there's been an increase, but not the way that you might be thinking. Any of the other two want to uh, chime in on that? Well, I would just like to say that in our neck of the woods, we do see a lot of people who are not tech savvy. We do a lot of assistance with people with whatever kind of phone they have. And luckily, I'm not usually the person at the front desk, which is lucky for everybody. But luckily, the people who are at the front desk have lots of comfort and experience with a variety of different types of phones. 
also, and this is true of libraries across the state, we made sure that we expanded our Wi-Fi broadband availability while we were shut down. We didn't actually shut down except for about two months. And then we were open by appointment for a while, and then we were able to open up again. And so we certainly are used to helping people one-on-one with different technical questions. And I think that it just depends on the comfort level of the people who are working in your library. Does that make sense? Sure does. Joe, you want to add anything? Yeah, it seems like we're always getting a call. Someone needs help with with the BARD system. And we have someone on our staff that can help. I know this probably doesn't inspire confidence, but not only don't we have a director, but the person that handles the statistics for TBBS, we have to fill that position too. But what I'll do is I'll talk to some people downstairs. And if I, I think I can get those numbers off the Keystone system, and I can send those to Deb to Debbie to share with you. Sounds great. Any other questions? This is Dr. Bailey again. I just wanted to suggest that with this issue of the fact that we uncovered that there were so many children in Chicago and maybe other urban areas that didn't even have access to the internet or have the devices needed to get the information. And we know that, you know, and I grew up in a library environment. I was a librarian assistant when I was 15 years old and books were my life source. I didn't, anywhere I went, I looked for the library, whether it was in somebody's personal home. Like if I went to my grandmother's homes, they all had libraries. These are black people. They got libraries of books and I, all the other kids were playing and, you know, outside and all that. And I'm sitting in the area where the books are. And that's where I'm spending my time. And I just, you know, but with the advance in technology, what we've got now are hundreds and thousands of children who don't have the equipment, didn't have the monetary ability to uh, get to the internet. And yes, we have uh, phones that you get through the government, but you can't do hardly anything with those phones. You can't even call the Social Security Bureau because you stay on the phone so long, it runs your time out on your phone. So I'm wondering, is there a target group of people and children who are not being served and can't be served because they don't have the resources realistically they don't have the resources to get access to our books. You know, I was sitting here thinking like Audible. Like I have an Audible account. Well, you know, that costs money every month. But even I find it frustrating that the I'm a pastor. I, there are certain books that I want to read that I can't get through the reading plan because they, they haven't been converted into a, a way that I can listen to them. So there are targeted groups, there are groups of people that can benefit from the whole library plan. Are we thinking of ways to try to reach them at their level? That's a great point. It's a great point. point. And I think, yeah, maybe we want to tackle that one. Well, just because you mentioned Chicago, I will say that the Chicago Public Library 
we're kind of all over it in terms of services and resources, and we have a really good handle on it simply for a lot of reasons. Like we were only closed for a couple of weeks and then we we're back open. Um, so we have the very briefest of all shutdowns. And I think literally we know for a fact nationwide that we kind of set a precedence for that. Uh, because a lot of libraries for their own personal and good reasons and administrative decisions were closed when we were open. And so we have 80 branches spread out throughout the city. So again, the only reason I'm answering answering is because you specifically said Chicago. There are a lot of things in place, um, including we loan out hotspots and we loan out computers and laptops and we have virtual teacher and the library sessions to help children with homework. So we definitely have a very robust children's services team. Good to know. Any other, Tony, uh, take a shot at that? Well, yeah, I would just like to say that, you know, one of the things that's difficult in our area, we don't have a local newspaper. We don't have everything that's local here is St. Louis centric. And so being able to get people to realize and recognize what's available to them through the library is an uphill battle. We do a lot of outreach. So we go out to places a lot, trying to let people know what's going on. We do visit churches. We do visit the schools. We do visit different organizations and like the Rotary and Optimists and stuff like that, trying to get the word out about what's going on at the library. Our um, biggest help in that regard is word of mouth. And so when we have customers who tell others what it is that they can get from the library. That has been the most successful thing for us. We use as much social media as we can, but not everybody is on Facebook, and we recognize that. It's an uphill battle, and it's one that we are willing to fight, but we also need help with it. This doesn't really address the technology part of it, but there's about a million people in the state that, that don't have library service. They're not taxed. I believe there's been legislation and we're going to write some amend our rules that the kids under 18, a public library may issue cards to them and they can get in, go into the library and use material. Another thing that no, libraries are underused. There's a a lot of people that where they are taxed that uh, don't go and, and get a library card and go in. We encourage people especially with kids, get in, get in there and get a library card. And then you can avail yourself to like Tina said, where they can check out some technology. We can probably take one more question, either in the room or on oh, Zoom. This is Jim Crawl. I have a question about in the Chicago area. I live in the Chicago area suburb. I get my books a lot from, um, from Bard. Right. And um, sometimes I'll type in the book title and I won't be able to find it. But I'm wondering if you have it on cartridge rather than Bard doesn't, let's say Bard doesn't have it, but you might have it on cartridge instead. So everything that's available in cartridge is available in Bard, but not everything available in Bard is available on cartridge. And that is because when they launched the digital talking books program in, I forget the exact year, Uh, They started from that point pretty much producing every new book and the new format. But then you consider that for, what, 40 decades they had all this other recorded material that was either in cassette or in disc format. So I think a good percentage of that was saved and transferred into digital format. And so that's why BARD will have more content 
than the actual physical collection, because especially anything that's under, I want to say about 5,000 as a book number is probably um, primarily going to only be available in BART. Now, there's some classics and bestsellers in terms of like authors and whatnot that will also be available in physical format, but for the most part, the greater bulk of the collection is only available on BARD. Um, and so if you're searching for something, I would say that Bookshare is definitely a resource for that. And I'm, I'm sure most of you are familiar with Bookshare. That is something that we try to bring on here at CPL. Because like it, it, a lot of people know that like New York Public Library makes it available to uh, their patrons for free. And I want to say that Bookshare probably has three times as much as what's available through NLS. The only thing is it is computerized voice and it was produced uh, the great bulk of it by scanning. Um, And so as long as you don't mind having that synthetic voice, a lot of times when patrons are looking for something that we don't have, I'll turn to Bookshare. Thank you. Um, Let's, uh, I think we're going to wrap it up guys, because we do need to move on on our schedule. Um, One of the things about being on streaming and stuff, we do have to kind of keep the schedule. So Mm -hmm want to thank you guys all three very much for addressing us and i just like the um uh, ability to uh, uh be able to uh to do this and uh be able to do this uh, remotely so basically we're going to go now to the candidates forum this is for those seeking offices in icb what we are going to do is we have a number of people that were nominated multiple times so if you can kind of tailor your speech to all of those, we don't want, we're not going to let you speak more five times. We're not going to let you do that. And that's kind of typically what we do. So um, we need somebody, if somebody's got a stopwatch that can time for like two minutes, I think Debbie said, I'm going to turn it over to Debbie and then she can start going down the list of names of our candidates and um, we can hear from them. Debbie, go right ahead. Okay, uh, I will. Just, did, do we have a stopwatch? I, I won't do mine. Oh, do we have somebody who can do it? Okay. Okay. Great. Who is that? Okay, Ronnie. Okay, Ronnie Patrick will be our timer. Okay, Debbie, go right ahead. I will say start in just a minute. We're going to start with our president, and you can start right now, Mr. Ray Campbell, and he's running for president, and if not president, and then treasurer. So he's running for two offices. Okay. Well, I'm actually running for three because I'm also running for a delegate. But oh, thank yeah, you. Yeah, sure. I'm sorry. The no, delegate, problem. Yeah. no problem. Okay. Yeah. And a delegate number one. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. I uh, look forward to, uh, I'm, I'm pleased to be on the slate and uh, look forward to continuing to serve the ICB as I have for several years. I want to use my time today to address a couple of questions that I know are out there and I know people have actually spoken to me about. And the one first, the biggest question is, well, you're a pretty busy guy. Do you really have time to be ICB president? And I'm going to answer that in two ways. One is that, um, yes, I'm a busy guy. But I also think as a leader and a longtime leader, it's good to stretch yourself once in a while. So I will certainly give ICB all the time it deserves. I'm already president of an ACB special interest affiliate, that being ACB Lions. And so I'm already at things like president's meetings and stuff like that anyway. The second thing is one of the responsibilities I currently have, I'll be getting rid of at the end of this year. And that is uh, service on the blind information technology specialist board of directors. I'm going to be going off the board. So I will have a little bit more free time. But ICB is my passion. It's my home state. It's what I love doing. And I certainly hope that you will strongly consider me for the office of president. I have a very worthy opponent. And um, 
I'll just say also that um, if you were also to, if, if you don't elect me president, I will gladly serve as treasurer. Done that before. I also hope to uh, be successful as a delegate, the first delegate for a convention, and I will represent you proudly in Omaha and actually just for your information, will be attending in person. So that's all I have to say. Thank you. Thank you, Ray. Thank you. Okay, excellent. Our next candidate for president is Brian Duffelmeyer. Two minutes. And he is running for president, for first vice president, and for second vice president. All right. Well, folks, I am also running. I have spent the last several years watching and listening to the tremendous work of our past presidents and learning a lot of things from work and learning a lot of things about ICB. I've been looking over the ICB constitution and bylaws. I've been looking through the ICB website. This is not something I'm doing on a whim. This is something that I have long considered and I have definite directions of ways to go in our various areas, whether it's membership or the website itself and different directions and things. Unfortunately, of course, we don't have time for everything now, but if we want to make and do some fresh approaches to the way we do things and really expand our horizons, I would welcome your assistance and your support in taking this journey with me over the next several years. Thank you very much. I appreciate any support you can give. Again, Brian is running for three offices, president, first vice president, and second vice president. Our next person that we want to hear from is Terry Helsley uh, for second vice president. And Terry is running for second vice president and also for board position number two. So take it away, Terry. I am, uh, have been uh, the president of the local affiliate, Madison County Blind. I've been on the board of the ICB for, I don't know how many years now with Corona in there, but I had uh, originally accepted a position on the board of the ICB, not really knowing what to expect. And, I've really seen what great things that we have accomplished and have done. And I would like to try to do a little bit more as a second vice president or being reelected onto the board. I know our local affiliate has been growing as well as the total membership in the ICB is still increasing. And I would like to get more members and I will try to do my best to serve the blind community. I won't talk for my whole two minutes because I'm pretty much done. Okay. Thank you, Terry. Our next next office is secretary and running for that is Mrs. Karen Campbell. Thank you very much. I am running for secretary. This office involves keeping uh, records for the board. You as the members know what's going on. And you know that through the minutes. And one of my goals is to keep uh, accurate and timely minutes for the organization. And I also want to assist the board in whatever other ways I can 
There are lots of things that need to be done and um, I wanna be involved in doing those and also in representing the organization as a national level, yes. meaning the convention in Omaha. I would appreciate your support. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. And I was just going to announce that you were running also for delegate. Okay. Yeah, I will be in person. Yeah, you will be in person. That's great. Okay. Our treasurer, our first nomination, uh, she is running for treasurer as well as a board position, is Mrs. Terry Hogan Helsley. Yeah, she's running for both, board position and treasurer. Hi. Um, I've really never done anything like this, considering I'm not blind. It's a microphone. Yeah, hold on. Okay. Oh. I've not done this before, so this is really new to me, considering I'm not blind, and but I'm willing to help out with anything I am able to do. I got involved with the blind because of my husband. I've been up to Springfield quite a few times in Chicago before the pandemic hit. But like I said, I'm willing to help with anything. And I'm nervous about talking. <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Mrs. Yeah, thank you, Mrs. Housley. Okay, our next person to speak, we've already heard from Ray. Uh, we would like to hear from Tim Paul. Now he is running for treasurer, a board position, and alternate delegate. So take it away, Tim. Hello there. It's um, an honor to be running for these positions. And uh, first of all, for, for treasurer, I, uh, I've been thinking about this position for a long time. Maggie's been helping out, filling in and doing a good job, but it's, I've been considering this position for quite a while and uh, I know it's big shoes to fill, but I, I believe I really can do it. I, I've been in the organization for quite a while, since the nineties. I will make time for this, you know, like, like Ray was saying, you're, I, have, I have a passion for this and it's very important to me. So I'm passionate about ICB, but I'm passionate about numbers. I'm passionate about numbers and I love numbers and I do well with them. I understand them and I'm passionate about fiscal responsibility as well but just i just i you know i know i so i've been treasurer of acbmc been treasurer of the lions i've been on the board before and i also now i i put together the budget for acbmc and that's that's a labor of love i i love doing it it's a little bit of work but it's i i love doing it and it's so i like working with numbers and i just and once i do work with numbers i'm willing to share that with people and help break it down and make it understandable to people. So I really hope you consider me for this position. I think, it, I think, I think I can do it really do a good job. And I've, some of the things about the job I'll have to learn because I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not familiar with them yet, but you know, I will, I, I'm going to hit the ground running and learn fast as I can. And I'm looking forward to that. I always like learning new things and learning how to do new things. I look forward to doing that and looking forward to, so, and then again, putting together accurate reports, timely reports on time, doing the things that need to be done on time. I will do that. But also working with the board. I'd like to work with the board and help. Yeah, help your help time. Make, okay. Time. Okay. okay. You're at time. Buddy. You're at time. Okay. Steve. okay. Thank, Thank you. you Tim. Okay. You're Thank you. All right. Our next thing, we're getting into our board members now. Uh, we'll want to hear from Marla Chorney. Hi, good afternoon, everyone. Thank you very much. I have been sitting here and figuring out 
I have been part of the ICB board for 12 years now. First, I was elected to corporate director from ACBMC, and then I moved on to the board positions and second vice president and first vice president. So thank you all very much. I was asked if I would like an officer position, I should say, and I said no, because number one, as I just said, I've been on an officer for many years, and I thought it was time that some new blood came in and took over and younger people would want to do this. And I'm very happy to see all the new names that have been nominated. That's wonderful. I think we're going to have a really good board with all the new people who have, I'm sure, wonderful ideas. So anyway, I would like to stay on the board. And I have some very good ideas. And I am chair of the fundraising committee. And if the new president so wishes, I would love to stay and do that. I have some ideas about that. So that's all I wanted to say is thank you all very much. And thank you for the nomination. And um, looking forward to the next uh, chapter. Thank you, Marla. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Now we are at board position number two. And two people who are running for this Uh, Terry Helsley and Tim Paul have already spoken. So we will hear now from Dave Hespel. He is our third nominee for board position number two. Good afternoon, everybody. This is, um, I guess I got a couple minutes here, but I'll try not to take too long. But um, yes, I have been a member of uh, ACBMC for, I can't, well, I'd say for about five years for coming to meetings before. Um, I've seen all the great things and the fundraising that ACBMC, well, all the the organization does and there's a lot of good people and there's a lot of good programs i think that um i don't think a lot of people know about uh, the organization i didn't for sure and you know i've served in capacities of other um another organization in past years i actually was a m- m- member of a group called the junior chamber of commerce the jc's i was a president in 2002 of a chapter and um and I've served on the board there a couple of times. And um, also, um, you know, I just, I think it's important our communities know about the blind and advocating. So I think that, I think I maybe could bring some new ideas to um, the uh, organization with everybody's help. So my first time in this and um, with your leadership, I think I could work with you um, during the, uh, you know, when I have time to dedicate. So, um, yeah, so that's basically all I have. So if you wish to elect me, I mean, then I'll do the best I can. Thanks. Thank you, Dave Hespel. Thank you very, very much. Excellent. Okay, our third board position. We have Albert Anderson. He is running for a board position. Also, he is running for alternate delegate. So take it away, Albert. I am uh, very happy to be nominated once again for a uh, a position on the board where I have served before. I've also served before on the Blind Services Planning Council and on the Library Service Committee. Currently, I'm serving as secretary of our local affiliate, the ACBMC, and uh, I now am the president of the newest affiliate of Illinois Council of the Blind, the Illinois Braille Revival League. That's uh, a challenge for me because we're an organization just getting off the ground, but we're doing very well in view of that. And now 
I know that organizations like ours are facing real uphill challenges, especially in recent years. Membership is a challenge. Money is a challenge. And I would like a chance to work with other members of the board in doing better to, to meet those challenges so that we can raise our public image in the state. And when blind people think, think of groups that will help them to advocate for themselves and improve their lives as individuals and as a group that Illinois Council of the Blind is what they will think of. Thank you. Thank you, Albert. All right, good. Our next person is Katie Howell, Morden Delhi. Katie? Good afternoon. My name is Katie Howe, and I have been involved with Amer American Council of the Blind Chapter. I was uh, president for four years, and I am now vice president, and this is uh, my second term in running to serve for the next two years as vice president. And I've been for ICB board member for, I believe, seven years. And before that, I was corporate director of American Council of the Blind Chapter. And also, I learned very important things about resolution, being on the committee. I learned about constitution and bylaws, the importance of that. I also learned the importance of personnel and being on the committee when Camille was alive. And all this serves a very important part as board member. I also learned the very important part of affiliates. When I was president in the American Council of the Blind, we had gotten our own 501c3 as well as the other affiliates having 501c3. So all this is very important and I will do my very best to continue to serve and understand more and more about the state. Time. And I will continue to fulfill my duties to the best of my ability. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Katie. Thank you. Very good. We have already heard from Mrs. Terry Hogan-Helsley, but I'd like to hear from our other two people who are running, Pastor Wanda Marie Bailey, and you can tell us a little bit about why you want to run, and we'll hear from Kiona. So go ahead, Pastor Bailey. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for allowing me to speak. I, I didn't know that I was going to run, <laughs> but <laughs> the Lord says, be prepared in due season. And so I thank you that I, I'm interested in serving. That's why I joined the organization in the first place. And I have been here now almost two years and I have hesitated to step out in different areas because I felt I needed to understand what we were about and to see where I might best fit in. But this year I started moving in those areas and becoming a part of the Constitution and Bylaws Committee locally. And then also uh, agreeing to accept the delegate position to come here in the first place, not realizing it was a stepping stone to something else. But serving 
is the two-way street. And so as I look to bring what the Lord Jesus has given me, my talents and abilities from the business perspective and from a Christian perspective to ACB, I look to receive from our organization something that will make me a better person. Thank you. And Pastor Bailey is also serving as a delegate. She's also serving as a delegate to our national convention. Do you have anything to add, Pastor? No, it's just my focus. My whole thing. Mm -hmm. Is to serve. Bring the best that I can do and bring the influence that I have been given into those environments. Okay. Thank you. Excellent. Okay. Now... We have Kiona Monroe. You are also running for this board position. Would you uh, like to talk uh, talk a little bit for a couple minutes? Uh, yes, my name is Kiana Monroe. Um, I'm glad to be nominated uh, for that position. Oh, how do you, you do like that? Okay. Yeah, and I'm uh, happy to be nominated for this, and I'd like to see what this journey will be like. And Terry and Terry. When I first found out I got diagnosed with my condition last year, they welcomed me in and I had nobody. So they showed me a lot. I'm new. I wanted to move up and do some things. And um, that's pretty much all I got, really. <laughs> Thank but, you, Kiana. Uh, that's it. <laughs> Thank you, Kiana. Thank you, Kiana. That is beautiful. And welcome, welcome to, the, to our convention. I hope you will write. And, you know, for all of you, I just want to encourage you, if you don't get it the first time, don't give up trying. I know I tried to be things several times, and I've, I've had that feeling, oh, nobody wants me. <laughs> but eventually, believe me, I got it. So, okay. So don't worry about it. It's, it. It takes a lot. And I think you all, all of you who are running today, are showing great courage and stepping out. So I really well, thank and you. I, well, and I'll just say, Deb, as... And I'm sure Brian would agree with me. And that is, so whichever one of us wins, those who don't win, we're going to be reaching out to you and looking for you to serve yep. on some committees and to uh, contribute in other ways. So we need all of you. So thank you. We really do. Okay. Our next person to speak, board position number five, is Diana Hill. All right. Yeah. Let's take Hello, it. Hello, everybody. I'm glad to be here. I can remember when this group, when I first heard of this group, we had like two or 300 people represented. We had a lot of different counties. A lot of them have closed up. It would be nice to get some more counties open. I love this group. I love everybody in this group. I am blind. I'm a total. I've been blind all my life. And I am willing to do what I can for this group. And I want to see this group grow. And I want to get new members. And I want to do anything I can. And I want to say that this is Keona's first meeting. Thank you, Diana. Thank you. That was great. And we this is so true, what she said about the different counties. I really hope we can grow again someday. That really has been my hope. All right, we have one more board position, and then we're going to get to the delegates. And this board position is Jim Crawl. Hello, everybody. I'm Jim Crawl. I spoke before. Um, 
I'm on the board presently now. I thought about it and I'd like to, you know, stay on the board and so I could, you know, uh, help out what we're doing. I've uh, been on the board off and on since 2001. So I really appreciate it and I would do my best to, you know, help the board and, and uh, maybe, you know, get some more members and stuff. And that's all I have. Thank you, Jim. That's great. Okay, we're going to our delegates now. Delegate number one, we have heard from both people, Ray Campbell and Pastor Wanda Marie Bailey. And delegate number two, we heard from Karen Campbell. Now I would like to hear from Ann Brash. Hello, everyone. I have been a part of uh, ICB since 1977. That probably tells you how old I am, but nevertheless, it's been a wonderful journey. And I have had my first ACB convention in 1979. So I've missed maybe three uh, since then. So um, I've been going for a long time. And I take the, um, I've been delegate on maybe three or four occasions. Anyway, maybe even more than that. What the job of a delegate is, is to take the votes from the constituents, uh, we have 13 votes and then the three delegates get together and divide it up so that we know what percentage of votes each candidate should get. So that's the job of a delegate. And it's a little uh, easier in person because the, the delegate just goes around and, and then the three of us meet together to know what votes we have. So I'm not entirely sure how we're going to do this at the moment, but um, we will uh, figure it out. And I'm sure our leaders have already basically figured it out. I have not um, made final plans yet, but I think I'm going to be doing this virtually. But that's what a delegate does. I take that responsibility seriously. I care about what all of you, all of who of you will want to vote for. And if you elect me, I will make sure that I get your vote. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you, Just a point of clarification, at the national level, ICB, I think, will have three votes. At the local level, you guys have 13. That's fine. <laughs> um, it gets confusing sometimes. It does. Yeah, but, but, the, the, but she laid out the job pretty well. So Absolutely. Yep. Okay, I'll just make that comment. And, and as I talked to you before, as, and as Ann has told you, that's what we do. Usually the other two delegates give everything to the number one delegate, and then she gets the fun of figuring out the mathematics to make it 13 votes. And believe me. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> then you should do chapter delegate. All right. Number three, we do have delegate number three. And the person whom we have not heard from is Maureen Hennigan. Maureen? Hi, everybody. Um, yes, I am running for um, delegate for our national convention. I do plan on being there in person. And um, I know I'm kind of <laughs> have the reputation for sort of sleeping in. But if I am elected for this position, I will certainly take it very, I will be very responsible and I will make it to the sessions. And um, I um, know how important it is to, um, to be there to, you know, know what's going on you know, give reports. And I'm familiar with doing that. I was secretary for ICB for four years. And I've done reports for the Blind Services Planning Council. So I'm familiar with doing that type of thing. And I do take a position if I am elected, I take the position very seriously. So as I said, I will be there in person. Those are my plans. And um, 
I will take the position very seriously because I take this organization very seriously. And um, I've been a, a member of um, ACB now for uh, 20, 22 years. And I, you know, filled quite a few positions in that time. I do take this, all our members in this organization very seriously. So thank you very much. Thank you, Maureen. Okay, great. Okay. I'll, vouch, I'll vouch that she has she is on the floor for general sessions and we're doing elections. So yeah, that's great. We have heard from everyone today. Uh, they have spoken twice. Our two alternate delegates and Katie. Everybody has spoken. So I would like to everybody to give our candidates a round of applause. And this concludes the candidate forum. We're going to have some very spirited elections on Sunday. That is for sure. And that's great. And that's great. That's the way we like it. Thank you, Albert. Right. I, after, after I screwed up the first time, I did a much better job. Thanks to Karen Campbell. Really, I, I really appreciated her help with that. And I was able to do it this time. Okay. Uh, guys, Ray, if, I, if we could, I don't know whether we have a few minutes, if we could talk a little bit about the election and voting. That would be um, we're. Uh, I, I want to get everybody up to. Uh, I know that people have the, the chorus rehearsal yeah, and stuff. Yeah. We'll do. We'll do that tomorrow. Okay. Because I want it to kind of be fresh in everybody's mind. We now are in recess um, until tomorrow morning at uh, nine a.m.